I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am director of the Fifth Element. I highlight Fifth Element hip-hop, which is knowledge. All I want to do is it like the other half do. Is it this ain't home and screw. Which I actually have been doing for the past seven months and it's driving me fucking crazy. It's digging for this. Australia, right? Do tell. I mean, it means sex. I mean, oh, well, yeah. So that's what funny you... enough, actually. Speaking of speaking of shagging, um, I watched Basic Instinct like out of nowhere yesterday. I never seen it. I just saw it on, and I was like, well, it's it's very raunchy. It's mm. very raunchy. I've but, um, yeah, it's literally just Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone smashing like for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, and and there's a murder mystery in between it. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's very graphic um, yeah. for for a Hollywood film. It's very graphic, but. Um, I, I, the ending was so crap. I was just like, oh, that wasn't really all that, but okay. Like, don't want to spoiler alert for you because you know it has been out for like thirty fucking years. But like, uh, she did it. Who knew? Like, uh. It's 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 kind of one of those films that is that um, it's like iconic for being just like that raunchy film. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah the storyline itself is um. It, it could it could have been better. Could it could have been better. But um. Why is it just hey, fun? what a way to start off. Um. <laughs> That's a random start, man, because considering our topic, it literally has nothing to do with that whatsoever. It's just... uh, well, well, you started it. You said screw in it, so... <laughs> but... Yes, that is true. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> happy <laughs> happy UK Black History Month, everybody. Yeah, shout that out. Shout that out. It's, um, according, according to Audible, uh, they dropped me an email to just like show me some stuff that, you know, it's been a... Some uh, Black History books I've been looking into. Um, they they said it's the thirty third uh, UK Black History Month, which I did not know, um, and I feel like that's kind of uh, uh, that, that kind of makes sense. I feel like that's um, I feel like that'll be a de- that'll be an interesting point to begin at. But um, anyway, uh, we'll we'll explain that when we get when we when we get to the actual meat of the show. But uh, for now, hi Ben, how's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? I had a weird week, man. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit in a lighter note because I think it is important. To discuss when you're not in the best headspace for anyone else out there who isn't also not in the best headspace, but it did give me a Is bit Is it of watching time. Basic Instinct at 3am weird? Or? No, it wasn't quite that weird. I was watching quite, not like that. Okay. at 2am, but I wasn't Charlie level of weird. I mean, that's a different kind of weird though, isn't it? Basic Instinct at 3am with the with the lights off and and the sound in the headphones and, you know, that's I a different... lamp on. That's a little the bit TV of... was on. Didn't have, I didn't have headphones. What do you think I'm doing? Candles, Fuck, yeah. candles. I was watching it in my bed. The candles were lit. Uh, the uh, you know the moisturizer no, no, was no, on no. the on the table next. It was it was. I I assure you, it was incredibly basic. I was just like eating Nutella and crackers, just and it was just on. So I was just like, all right then, cool. While I'm eating, I mean, whatever works. <laughs> I wasn't focused on it. Whatever but... works for you, yeah, Charlie. Right. If you have to eat Nutella okay. and crackers during, then okay. So anyway, I listened to um, <laughs> I listened to well, I mean. Wow, I could not not listen to Westside Gun, who made the sunshine. Poor Charlie, actually. Uh, I don't know how he got any basic instinct in because I was just sending him bulk VMs, just like constantly. Pretty much. Just random Westside Gun bars, uh, random Benny bars, random Conway bars. I like this album a lot. I, I kept tweeting out that it was um, better than Pray for Paris. It's not better than Pray for Paris. It's, it's pretty much the exact same 
as his you last... You lied on social media? <gasps> I know, shock horror. People lie on social media. Imagine that. It was not a lie because at the time I did feel that way. But on repeat, listen, it's a great album. It's a really great album, uh, but it's the same. It is the same. Like if you're not, if you didn't fuck with his last two albums, you're not gonna fuck with this album. He's not doing anything different. The thing that interests me the most about Westside Gun, and I tweeted um, on Hip Hop Numbers Two that he's just he's outstripped DJ Khaled by so far because he does exactly what DJ Khaled does right now, apart from produce. But we know that we don't know what DJ Khaled does behind the boards. But Westside Gun just curates projects. He brings people together. The, the guests on this project are insane. Like, he had Buster and Slick Rick on the same song, and it just goes. It just fucking goes. And Westside Gun, he only rapped 2,000 words on this project. It's not a lot of words. He, he barely drops verses. He just comes in. Sometimes he just does a hook. He would just do a hook, and then everyone else would just go off. And I really like that, you know. And it, it is feeling now... What I like about this project so much is it is on Shady Records. There's clearly money behind things now, and we spoke about this in these last two projects, but they're not losing that that vibe and that energy that they had originally that they came in the game with. And if you listen to underground music, it's starting to head in that direction. It genuinely is. Griselda's starting to have an influence now, and this is not going to hurt that at all. So I gave that an 8.5 out of 10. You know how I feel about uh, Westside Gun. I fucking love that guy. I love Conway. I love Benny. Griselda just killing it at the moment. Uh, Sa Rock, Sharecropper's Daughter, gave that an 8 out of 10. Really fucking love mm-hmm. that album. Uh, she's wrapped next to Black Thought. And, you know, what else can you say except that she held her own. She didn't sound out of breath at any point. And that's... um. That's huge praise, man. It's, that's a really, really good project. I would recommend. If anyone likes Rhapsody, you've got to listen to Sarok. Like, great, great album. Uh, All Black, No Shame Three gave that an eight out of ten. Um, we used to have this saying in high level because I played quite high level cricket. It was like it's all about intent, and I felt like on this project, every single track had that intent. Maybe the exception of Club Eleven with Guap Dad Four Thousand, which. I thought was the first time that Guap Dad has actually missed on a feature in the last 12 months. But aside from that, this is a really great project. It's a similar vein to Paris's project last week. Obviously, a different uh, sound and dynamic, but uh, similar in energy, I felt. Uh, then we get Willie the Kid, Capital Gains. Also gave that an 8 out of 10. There was a lot of good music this week. I have heard of Willie the Kid a lot, but I've never spun him before. And this is actually real. This is great, man. Uh, it, again, it has that that dingy quality, that Griselda quality, and uh, Willie the Kid is really engaging. Very exciting MC. He spits thought provoking bars, and he, I think he carries a production brilliantly, like like a genuinely good MC does. So I really enjoyed that project. Now we get to Bryson Tiller anniversary, which I gave a seven and a half out of ten. I saw a lukewarm reception for this one online, and I don't disagree with the reasoning. You know, Bryson dropped this on the anniversary of Trap Soul from 2015, which is genuinely a genre-defining record. Because on that record, he took a step back from his own toxicity, and he viewed it objectively. And it actually spawned a whole slew of self-aware projects, and they all followed along in his wake. And these artists were like swimming in the toxicity. You know, think about Party Next Door, think about The Weeknd, all these like artists underneath that project. It's become a vibe now. And it was an epic album. And 
his last project, True to Self, was not on that level. So we expected with this, especially given the cover art, which mimics the first, you know, mimics Trap Soul, the release date, you know, on the anniversary, we kind of expected something similarly progressive with anniversary. But to me, it felt like Comfort Zone Bryson. You know, similar drum patterns, similar melodies, similar BPMs. I guess that you could justify giving it a mid rating. But I actually felt like, you know, Bryce, we, we know that Bryson is one of the most talented artists in R&B. And if the artist at the top of the tree decides to make an album that stays in that lane that he's already forged, he's going to do it better than 95% of his contemporaries anyway. So I'm here for that. And that's exactly what that was for me. You know, it was heavy drums, washed out beats. Tiller was crooning about the ups and downs of human contact. I'm, I'm fucking here for that, man. I'm here for that all day. And I think that was that whole point there was hammered home to me on Out of Time, which had Drake. And Drake was giving his all. Drake was giving his all to that performance. And it's solid. You know, it's not bad at all. But Bryson Tiller outstripped him by so far. And it was just evident to me that, you know, Bryson is just a special artist. So I actually like that project, but I can see why some called it mid. Uh, Smoked is art, homegrown. Uh, man, this is just the this is just a good project. This is the guest spots mm. here are crazy. Jim Jones, Cameron, Flip De Niro, Jada Kiss, Jack Harlow, Wiz Khalifa, Currency, Big Crit, Girl Talk, Dom Kennedy, Eric Bellinger. Smoke Diz is not a major label artist. Like this is this is a guy who's just got his Rolodex out, and he just has like good trust capital within the industry, and he's just like come on, you know, hop on my track. Half of Dipset, like that's pretty epic, man, and. I like this. Uh, his pen game's always sharp. I don't think his vocals are always the most potent. His delivery kind of sits back a bit from the track, but I think that he shines more on tracks like Tradition, which is the first song that have no percussion because I feel like he can get lost in the beat sometimes, but if you remove that beat... I felt similarly to um, Baldy James sometimes when he hops on tracks without uh, without a beat behind it, you know, just a mm. just production note. Eh, it works for me. Then we get yeah, good show. Uh, Savage Mode 2. Um, I gave it 7 out of 10. Uh, hmm. This is a hard one, man. Like, he, I, I don't think Savage Mode's progression has been in one thing. It's, it's kind of gradually evolved on guest spots and albums. And it's to the point where I would say, in my opinion that he would be able to... This is before I listened to the album. I would. I felt that he would be able to hold his own against anyone but the absolute top-tier artists, top-tier rappers. Um, and when I say artists, I actually mean MCs. I don't mean artists. Because I think Savage Mode, the original, was about the artistry, where he created a inhospitable sonic environment on the record, which was to highlight you know, the difficulties in which he lives in and comes from. And... The fact that he was doing it independently, you know, like that that was a massive part of Savage Mode 1. Savage Mode 2 to me feels like 21 Savage is reminiscing rather than living, which is actually a great thing to know that, you know, the conditions he was describing on the original no longer affect, afflict him. They, they affect him still, but they don't afflict him. But to me, it then loses that feel. And I don't think it's authenticity because he's always going to have authenticity but the immersive feel that the original had. And it's like Illmatic, Reasonable Doubt, Get Rich or Die Trying, Marshall Mathers LP feel. Like they were living it while they were creating it, you know? And this one feels like he's recalling what it was like. And 
maybe to me, it didn't need to be named after the original. Because I feel like if you're going to go savage mode, you need to go savage mode. And to me, it feels like not not you need to go savage mode. If you need to go savage mode, like if you're going to call it savage mode, be in savage mode already. It feels like he had to get in savage mode before he went to the booth. Then he left the booth and then he was out of savage mode. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I didn't think it needed to be called savage mode too. That's all. If I think if it was called anything else, this would be more than a 7 out of 10. But the, the weight of the original kind of weighed it down a little bit. Uh, last one is is YG, My Life 400. Um, you know, YG put out My Crazy Life in 2014 and it turned DJ Mustard into an indispensable asset for the next two years. And then both of them just did not progress. They've just not done anything different. They've not attempted anything new. It's like they just do the same thing and hope that it comes back around at some point. The problem mm. with YG to me is that that frustrates me is like, you know, fuck the police and out on bail. He, they're fire. They're straight fire. He still has it. You know, it remi- the thing it rem- he reminded me so much of this album was Nelly in his later career where he would have a couple of absolute bangers on his like late 2000s albums, like Grills. Man, he had Grills. I don't remember what album that was on. I don't think I ever listened to any song on that album. It was Brass Knuckles or 5.0, one of those albums. Like, he could never put together another solid front-to-back project like Country Grammar, Nellyville, Sweatsuit. YG, to me, same same problem. You know, a couple of bangers on every album, but mostly is some mid on there, and this is a bit disappointing, man, but not not the worst album. Like, you could put it on. It's not offensive or anything. It's, it's good, <laughs> but yeah. So there you go, man. That was my word salad of albums I listened to. What about yourself? Yeah, the amount of Savage Mode uh, mentions was uh, absolutely outstanding. I have to count Jesus that. Christ. I have like. to count that out. Because I did count out, you know, I'm a counter and I counted so out that the more than I say, um. <laughs> So I have to count out the Savage, Savage, <laughs> Savage mentions. Savage Mode. The quite Savage Mode, Savage Mode, Savage Mode, Savage Mode. <laughs> Just Savage Mode. That's all I heard. Wah, 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 Savage Mode. Wah, 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 Savage Mode. Wah, 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 wah. Um, <laughs> Oh, well, get Shout out to Peanuts, I mean, 70th, so 70th anniversary. Shout out to the gang. Um, Charles, Charles Schultz to G. Um, all right, so I've decided to just, like, keep my intake of albums per, new albums per week to 10 because, uh, <laughs> well, partly because <laughs> only... Because uh, IG, like, when they... Because when I'm, like, mentioning them on IG, I can only do 10 yeah. names, so I try and keep it at 10 names, and whatever I miss, I miss. So I missed Aloe Black, I missed... Yeah. Uh, 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 fucking uh, oh, oh, I miss Westside Gun as well. Oh, I'm what? So, oh, so, that is so heartbroken about Charlie. That. That's surprising. So, I'm, so, I'm super heartbroken about that. That's um, weird for me. You so, normally love some Westside Gun. I, I, I've been, I've been beating myself up all week about it. Yeah, uh, I would have thought Honestly, so. it's, it's been horrible. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I started off with uh, Vic Spencer and Sonny Jim Spencer for Higher Three. Uh, I literally just fell into this. I just, I just saw it and I was like, yeah, go on then. That looks fun. Oh my gosh, the production on here is absolutely elite. Oh my gosh, it's so clean. It's actually silly how clean it is. This is probably like the top, like in the top five best produced albums this year. Like, oh. shout out to Sonny Jim, man. That them beats were f- fucking flames. Every single one, they just bled into each other. Super soulful samples were clean. Oh my gosh, everything was just great. And uh, Vic Spencer came through with some nice, uh, nice uh, bars as well. Uh, he, he just he just flowed on him, but my 
God, the MVP performance on the on production there. Shout out to Sonny Jim on that. Definitely going to get into the uh, two and three in the series uh, for sure. Uh, Zara McFarlane, Songs of an Unknown Tongue. Um, so it says like on her, I think on her like Spotify bio that she's like um, pioneer of uh, of the modern British jazz scene, uh, which I can understand. Uh, she's been around for a while, it's been the past ten years in terms of just releases. And uh, this one's kind of interesting. There's um, it's more like a uh, it's, it's some like electro elements. It's not just jazz here. Um, obviously, the whole thing is basically just layered around her voice, and it's a very silky voice, and it's a very f- nice voice to listen to for a, for a forty five minutes or however long, however long the album is. But um, yeah, apart from that, it's a, it's a very solid album. Really, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm, I'm gonna try and get into her earlier stuff as well. Uh, Shay Leah Solaris, a little EP. Uh, this. Uh, there's been there hasn't been uh, like an EP in the past few in the past uh, while. Well, I say that the GQ one was kind of actually kind of fire, but uh, yeah, just it just there was there were so many at the start of the year, so many EPs that were just absolutely fucking knocking me in the teeth, um, and there was just like a, a lull. There was like there's some good EPs here and there, you know. What I mean, the 36 special one was cool, you know, stuff like that. Um, Savannah, Lupe Fiasco, maybe, but uh, this one's just super clean. Like she just comes through. This, oh, the voice is so nice, and the oh, there's one track where I think she speaks like French or something, or, or, or just not English. I know that for sure. Um, I'm just like, oh, it's it's so nice. It's such a lovely listen. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that. Definitely on the long list for the EP uh, uh, EP list. Um, Alex, friend of 5e from a seed. Um, uh, Alex is a songwriter primarily. Uh, it's written for people most notably Kiki Palmer. Uh, con- consistently works with her, and he's dropped his own album. Um, and uh, you know, it's a solid album, very songwritery, uh, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it's kind of like just built towards his pen game in a, in a sense. Uh, and everything else just uh, wraps around it, uh, you know, some very modern R&B kind of flows, uh, kind of trappy elements as well uh, in terms of sound. But uh, yeah, the the, the main, uh, I guess, uh, event is supposed to be, I guess, his lyrical content and his songwriting. And uh, actually, speaking of Kiki Palmer, she actually makes a, uh, uh, an appearance on there as well. So uh, shout out to him on that. Uh, Katori Walker, Idols. Um, so <laughs> this was so interesting. I love Katori Walker, man. He just comes through with just EP after EP, and they're just so different from each other every single time. So this one, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the cover album artwork for it, uh, you see there are several... Um, inspirations uh, for it and uh you know I'll, I'll leave i'll leave for the fun side of that uh, to you guys if you want to have a look um but uh yeah he basically has idols and every song uh, apart from one is based on one of those idols and i think there's six five or six of them um uh, they're very noble artists you know that's not not out of the the ring or out of the blue uh but uh, yes it's real fun it's uh, he he just switches up the style to fit that artist, it's it's kind of interesting. I I like it. It's very interesting. Uh, Smoke Dizzer, homegrown. Uh, all I have to say is way better than his previous one. Um, uh, it was like worldwide something, worldwide smoke session, something like that. Oof, that did not hit. A, yeah, that, that did not hit. hit all. One, uh, but uh, this one, this one's kind of yeah. I guess uh, you know a return to form, so to speak. Um, like you said, the features were just stacked, and you know as as we've uh, conversated before, like uh, if you're gonna have those features. <laughs> They all better be good, because, uh, you know, if, if they're all terrible, my gosh, they bring you down. But, uh, yeah, man, they were very serviceable. Um, I really enjoyed the album, so it's very solid. Uh, I decided to go back to see Hit Boys, uh, the Chauncey Hollis project, uh, which actually dropped, I think, in, like, April or May. 
Um, there's a lot of Nip mention, Nipsey Hussle mentions in this as well, uh, which is uh, kind of just just to show you uh, where Hit Boy was at at that point in terms of mindset. But yeah, man, it's obviously Hit Boy beats and he actually reps over most of it. Um, it's a very it's very serviceable. It's very solid. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so I, I just thought like if he's going to be a producer of the year for most people, I better yeah. see what his uh, it's better see what his solo stuff is like. You know what I mean? If, it, if it's gonna, it does does that hit as well. I feel like it should. Um, and yeah, it certainly does. I actually missed the Alchemist project as well. I need to get into that for next week for sure. Uh, Grip Halo, uh, another EP. Uh, I listened to Snub Nose uh, when it came out last year, and I thoroughly enjoyed that because it was a very interesting concept album. I think he he was like rapping in the uh, in the uh, point of view of a gun, and uh, it was just super fascinating. And uh, this one, it's very soulful. Um, it's kind of a uh, I don't want to say gospel but um, it's kind of in that in that realm. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he, he just floats on it. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, Bryson Tiller Anniversary. Um, I feel like Bryson like, has this thing where... Uh, 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 it has nothing to do with him. I feel like everyone else has just put this thing on him uh, where like... He has to. He has to have a trap soul level project mm. every time now. It's just like it's kind of unfair. Mm. Um, you know, I enjoyed Trap Souls as much as anybody else. You know, what I mean, it was it was it was it was one of the albums of my uh, first year of uni. You know, what I mean, it's it's, it's it's singed into my memory. Yeah. Um, but you know, this one's okay. It's serv- I keep saying serviceable for some reason. It's just come into my head all the time. But yeah, it's it's a good album. It's cool. Um, you know, it's not groundbreaking. Which is, um, I, I literally sent a tweet off a, a couple of weeks ago, going like, groundbreaking is the worst used adjective in the world because nothing is ever groundbreaking these days. But uh, still, it's not groundbreaking. <laughs> I'm, I'm being correct with that. Uh, but yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. I can't, I can't complain. It's, um, it's, it's real solid. And uh, lastly, Sarak, Sharecropper's daughter. Um, I've listened to Sarak like for the past um, year or two. I listen to our older stuff like um, Nebuchadnezzar as well and. Uh, you know, this one's a bit more grounded. Um, those ones were a bit more uh, conceptual. You know, stuff like extraterrestrial Nebuchadnezzar, um, uh, Babylon. Geez, yeah, they're, 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 she has a lot of uh, concept stuff, and this one's very, very, very grounded and uh, uh, just sticking to the bars kind of thing. But even with that said, you know, there's some real good stuff. You know, Styles P comes on here, Ladisi, Black Thought, Chronics, mm. the the prior, the last two there. Um, needs to be put into the uh, best features conversation. I don't. I don't know any miss from Chronics or Black Thought in terms of features. They never miss. Um, but even with that said, like um, stuff like Forever, which is super just uh, empowering, uh, Deliverance, Hand of God, which I love the music video for, uh, Rockwell's America with Stars P is very nice and Revolution. It, just everywhere, man. It's just. It's, it's just great and uh, shout out to Soul Messiah on the beats um, and I think Evidence was on that as well for, for one of the tracks uh, but yeah man it's a, it's a great album shout out to Sarok uh, always um, I've, I've, I've enjoyed her music uh, for a while and uh, it's just cool that she's come through with the Rhyme Sayers debut and uh, you know knocked out of the park it's, it's, it's good to see it's good to see and with that said we hop into our topic of this episode and uh, if you didn't listen to last episode in terms of a teaser um, it's uh, it's UK Black History Month, um, and uh, I asked Ben uh, months ago if we could, you know, just dedicate the whole month to, um, I guess, uh, uh, black British music pioneers, and obviously since it's a hip hop uh, podcast, kind of make an attempt to stick it to some sort of uh, hip hop or rapping kind of roots. 
Um, but you never know for the future. Just uh, throwing it out there. But uh, mm-hmm. for now, we're just sticking it to you know pioneers and uh, just notable names that you know um, you may or may not know. Um, this one is probably more of a may not. Um, but uh, I feel like this is an important place to begin um, in our little journey for the next five weeks. And uh, we're beginning with Rodney P. Um, specifically, and um, I I feel it, it, uh, he's he's worded as um, you know the, the Godfather of UK hip hop, and you know that's not that's that's not a um, you know that's not a, a a a term that you can hold lightly. You know what I mean? I think it's a uh, it's correctly put. I'll say that for sure. Um, it's a I feel like I have to, at some point, uh, kind of lay out the land in terms of uh, British music, uh, black British music especially, um, around that time, um, in just so you guys can understand uh, where, you know, Rodney P fits into this, and also kind of map it out for you guys in terms of how the music you may listen to right now in the UK, whether it's, you know, the drills or the UK rap or the UK hip hops, um, it all comes from, it all comes from, you know, very similar places and they all just, they're all in a melting pot. Um, and, and, you know, some people have just, uh, used the same pot, used very similar ingredients, but then, you know, took something out or added something in. It's just, they're all, they're all very, uh, similar. And uh, I'll I'll probably explain that at some point, um, probably after Ben uh, goes goes through what he wants to go through. Um, but uh, yeah, for the meantime, uh, we're doing we're just doing a little retrospective on Rodney P. Probably not you know fully chronologically because uh, his uh, work is very um, sparse mm. <laughs> in terms of how we can try and find it. I had to go on YouTube for one for his solo album, which is highly depressing. Um, I should should be on DSPs, um, and I honestly want to get that on. Uh, I really want to get that on vinyl. <laughs> like if it is on vinyl, I really need to get it on vinyl because I'm slept. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's very sparse and hard to find, but uh, it's it's definitely worth it uh, for you guys. And uh, it kind of put me in a mindset of what I want for the future of this particular podcast itself. But um, that that well, that's just in my head and uh, not for you guys to know at the moment. But uh, for now, we put on our coats. It's been raining so fucking much this past week, Ben. It's been raining so much. So uh, I would get my Mac out, but uh, I've I've recently realised that my coat sucks and I need to get a new one. Cause uh, as soon as I came back from the shop, my my literally bro, my the <laughs> the water was literally just logged into my pocket and was just dripping into my jeans. It was horrible. It was stupid. <laughs> so um, let's pop to the shops, get myself a new coat, and then we'll hop off. Uh, I need to fi- I need to Google like how how far Sydney is um, just for the moment. But we 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 take a walk, the long long walk, uh, to Ben's research house. And uh, what have you got for us today, Ben? Rodney P, man, Rodney P. I I I didn't know anything about Rodney P before we started this pod. Uh, started a well, floated the idea. Slate. So it's like um. It's yeah, it's the first time I'd ever even heard of him to be honest. And when I you know right now at this point that was a month ago. Uh, I just am surprised that I didn't know about him. I mean, not surprised. Uh, there's, you know, huge gaps in my knowledge, but fuck, man. It's just the amount of influence he's had on UK hip-hop is 
you're not going to believe it when I get to the end. You, you, the thing is, you're not going to really. Get, I'm not going to be able to give a full sense. We're not going to be able to give you a full sense because the thing about Ronnie P is he's incredibly humble. You know, they call mm. him the Godfather of UK rap, and he seems proud of it when people bring it up, but it doesn't really appear to be something that he courts himself or calls himself. And I'm going to shower him with praise on this podcast, but you need to understand he is one of the most authentically humble people I've ever heard interviewed. Like he accepts compliment with grace. Uh, when he's drawn on his own influence and his success, he acknowledges it, but he names 20 other people he believes that are deserving of the same praise. It, it is uncanny every time. You know, they'll praise him for, you know, being one of the first or the first mainstream rapper to rap in a British accent, and he'll name you all these underground acts that were doing it and that he saw light. Like, it's mm. very humble, man. And the the godfather of UK rap is a big term, but... Uh, Hip-hop asterisk. Yeah, hip-hop, sorry, yeah. So, well, it is hip-hop because, I mean, that's one of the major points. I mean, Ronnie P is always at pains to explain that back in the early days in the UK... Uh, rap was just one of the elements. You know, London Posse had dancers and he was talking about, you know, he was in graffiti gangs and stuff like that. So back in, you know, the early 80s when he was coming up and, and deciding where he wanted to take UK hip hop, he was recognizing that all the elements, this was, you know, we did, a, we did, was it a Bites episode, I think, on the, the five elements? Um, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so they were all in play at this point, you know, and, and rap was just one of those elements. And that was a big part of London Posse, which we'll talk about when uh, we talk about their album. But it was not just about um, not just about rap. You know, they had two dancers in that crew. But the thing is, uh, the way that he describes the Godfather thing, he doesn't just say, say it directly. He never calls himself that. That's, you know, but he simply said that every time something new happened in the genre, he was there. He was at the forefront. He was putting in the work to support the newest developments and evolutions. And he said in an interview with Music Tech that uh, the leading lights of all these branches of hip hop knew that he would always be there. You know, pirate radio, grime, garage, drum and bass. So the thing about Rodney P that I, I cannot really say of anyone of hip hop in America, and I could be wrong in this. Uh, so if I am wrong, Charlie will let me know or someone in the mentions can let me know. He's always been there. He's never left. To me, he's always been relevant and he hasn't always been rapping. And that's the key, I think. You know, that is the essence of Rodney P. He recognized that hip hop was not just about the music. It's not just about the rapping. And these interviews that he does are incredible. Like this is a man who just adores the culture. He just lives in the culture, is obsessed with the culture, is addicted to it, you know? And... It's almost been like he's the one that's been pulling all the strings, but that's even a disservice to his humility and maturity because he never views himself as that outside of the initial London Posse plans, which I'll speak about. But he sees himself as someone who just loves the innovation and evolution. And I'm saying all this because I've watched like 10 hours of interviews and I've heard him speak eloquently about this many times. Um, he just loves hip-hop and wants to be a part of it. And... That's why he's genuinely, that's why people call him the godfather. And it is not a superfluous term. It's not It's not hyperbole. It's none of those things. It's, it, to me, obviously, I have no idea because I didn't grow up in this. But from the outside, it looks like he is the godfather of UK hip hop. To me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a, I mean, there's probably, you know, plenty of 
American hip hop artists that you know stay, you know where they're at. I think um, you know, wait, most of the most of the old school ones, you know, <laughs> maybe like once uh, people like I don't know, maybe um, once like people like Nas uh, and them, maybe after that they can when when the doors open for them, you know, they they could they see that they can go other places. You know what I mean? But um, obviously for the people in around the eighties, you know the Run DMC, or well, even Run DMC actually, you know what I mean they they you know they got the shoe deal, so you know is that is that going out? You know what I mean? So and and they're definitely still there. There's definitely still hip hop. Uh, yeah, I mean um, it's a, it's a, it's a it's an interesting um place to begin. Um, because uh, I feel like when especially when you listen to the music, uh. Definitely, especially when you listen to his mu- uh, his music uh, as London Posse and also just as a solo Rodney P, um, the the everything's just there. Like everything, everything's there. All the all the influences are there on the sleeve. Um, you could just you could just pick them out for for whatever they are. And uh, obviously, uh, you, you know, Ben, you sent me an interview, uh, one of his interviews um, that he uh, uh, very very lengthy. And um, you know, the way he talks about uh, you know how how the, uh, the 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 what's the word? how the landscape was at that point you know in the eighties uh, he I think he said um, rapping was the last thing <laughs> and I found that so fascinating to learn about just that just that one little tidbit the fact that you know he 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 was doing the graffiti doing the dancing doing everything else the rapping came last for most people and I find I find that uh, and he said that for the whole of the UK I was like. I find that so fascinating because obviously you know we, we've talked about it before in terms of how just you know rapping is basically you know the the ninety percent of everything at the moment when when we talk about hip hop. I mean we mainly talk about music in in this particular show, but you know it is what it is. Um, but I just find it, I just found that little bit interesting. Um, in terms of uh, I guess a background um, musically and dipping into etymology. Um, which I am so gassed to be talking about this right now. It's just great. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why I get so excited, so giddy about making these links. It's, it's so great. But you know, he he starts off. Um, I think talking about um, you know uh, the electro scene, right? And obviously, we can definitely link that to um, you know where U.S. hip hop was. Um, you know, the the two ingredients for U.S. hip hop was um, electronic music and disco. It was basically just those two just smashed together, woof, you know, <laughs> just two sticks, fire, hip-hop. Um, and, you know, it, obviously UK hip-hop is, well, it's UK hip-hop, so it's kind of the very similar thing. But I feel like for them, uh, back then, was much more electronic-based than disco-based, whereas US hip-hop was probably more disco-based, and then electronic elements, because obviously that's where, you know, the breakbeats come in specifically, but everything else is pretty much disco to get people dancing. Um, but for people like Rodney P and them, was more about uh, adding the other, in- but the main ingredient, which you know, as I was talking about um, at the beginning, where you know all these all these genres I'm about to name, they all have the same ingredients, but there's always one that they add to make it you know to seem more fresh. Um, for UK hip hop and especially for London Posse and Rodney P, was reggae. Um, back then, it was just 
it, it is what it was. Like you had the specials, madness, all of them. You had the Scar, Rocksteady bands um, around that time. Um, this is, you know, obviously you have like a Windrush uh, generation after the World War, after the Second World War, and then you have uh, the first generation of Black Brits, which obviously Rodney P was part of. And at that point, you have a reggae culture that is just firmly in there. Reggae sound system. Uh, dub culture, where uh, if you watch a film like uh, Babylon, which uh, came out, I think in I think the early late seventies, early eighties, nineteen eighty maybe, um, you know that the whole film is literally just a microcosm of what maybe people like Rodney P were were you know experiencing um, illegal sound system raves, bringing them big ass speakers and carry and, and you know taking them uh, in vans to places like Brixton or whatever. Uh, Brixton, Battersea's mainly South London, and you know hosting these events, right? And you can definitely link that to stuff like um, uh, early days of grime uh, in, in the you know in early two thousands. It's kind of the same thing. It's, it's the same thing, just repackaged. You know they were ho- they were hosting um, uh, boiler room raves. It's the same thing. It really is the same thing, just uh, repackaged. Um, but uh, specifically going back, it's just. For Rodney P and London Posse, it was reggae. And when you hear the music, and we'll get into Gangster Chronicles um, now if you're if you're down for that, um, you know, that album is just simply uh, <laughs> hip-hop with reggae elements. And that's what made it special um, as a... as just, like, the, you know, like, I <laughs> don't want to say groundbreaking, but at this point, it was groundbreaking. <laughs> like, because that's the one. That's the album. That's the album that, you know, you can easily point to as a album that just um, opened the door for other people. And another note that I'd like to add just before I'll let Ben go on this, um, you know, reggae, while it was uh, existing, um, there was a, there was an authenticity problem, um, not just for reggae, but also for UK hip-hop. Um, I think Rodney P said in the interview, like, uh, you know, in one of his songs in the Gangster Chronicles, actually, um, he's, you know, he, he just sounded American on it. Um, and that's just how, that's just how you would, uh, I guess how some people would go about it. You know, you just try and mimic, um, and not thinking that, you know, it's going to go anywhere. Um, but obviously they got rid of that, um, very quickly, but in the reggae scene, you know, probably like 10 or so years before, um, there were people like Smiley Culture that, you know, just brought a British voice because they were born in Britain. Like they, they may be, they may have the Jamaican, you know, whatever Caribbean uh, uh, country you want to name, family, mum um, um, and dad, but they were born in Britain. They don't have the, they don't have the accent anymore. And that's just, that's just what it was. So when they were trying to talk Jamaican or whatever to do reggae, you know, you just get outed. And it's the same when, you know, UK hip-hop acts at the time were trying to sound American. It was just corny. Um, so, you know, and that's, uh, and that's another mirror thing repackaged that I like to motif, I, you know, like to add to that. Um, so, yeah, take a, take that, take all that what you will. <laughs> I will, I will eat my salad as you talk. <laughs> no, I mean, that was perfectly said. That was, that was very in-depth and it's very true. And I think people gloss over the fact that, you know, you say it's corny, but it really was only corny until after Rodney P because uh, rapping in an American accent was what was happening in the UK at the time. As everyone was saying, obviously it was blowing up in New York, hip hop in the East Coast and UK acts wanted a piece of that. But listeners listeners had no frame of reference. You know, there was no UK hip hop 
uh, in the mainstream. Major labels didn't know what to do. Labels didn't know who to sign. So all they were doing was just saying, well, you know, American hip hop sounds pretty good. So let's run with American hip hop. And, you know, people in interviews always bring up the fact that he was the, he was genuinely one of the first, if not the first to be rapping in a, like, un, uh, what's the right way to say it? He just didn't, like his full British accent, you know, uh, is the harshest, whatever you want to call it. There was no attempt to hide it. There was no attempt to be American. It was just straight up British. And that's like, you listen to Dizzy now, you listen to Mike Skinner, like someone would have done it eventually, but Rodney P had the guts to do it early like early and so and and while no one else was doing it you know he was saying that when he was going to shows all these rappers were rapping in an american accent and he was just sitting there like well this doesn't make any sense you know and he said even when he began he was rapping in an american accent but he realized and there was the the thing about london posse and we talk about this album is that um i found it fascinating that for someone so humble and i'm going to use the word humble a lot and I know that's going to sound corny as shit when you say that someone is humble because it is kind of corny when you keep calling someone humble or calling yourself humble. But there's no other better word to describe this man. He describes how he had a meeting with Bionic at a video shoot before London Posse even existed. And he had this map for UK hip hop. He had this plan for where he wanted UK hip hop to go, what, it, what he wanted it to sound like because he said he identified the fact that it didn't yet have in the mainstream at least or you know in the greater collective conscious it consciousness it didn't have a defined brand name yet it didn't have a defined sound and what is so great about london posse is it just it 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 didn't just pigeonhole uk hip hop and say this is what uk hip hop has to sound like obviously ronnie p was greatly influenced by reggae and for him Personally, he wanted to have that influence in his music, but it never felt like London Posse imposed that sound upon everyone and said, this, you know, you all need to sound like this. And now that may sound like, well, why would anyone do that? But that's literally what fucking music is. Like if something works, everyone follows on behind it. You know, if you listen, the amount of times I've said 808s, everything still sounds like 808s because it was hitting. Like early Kanye was sped up soul samples. Then for two years, everything sounded like sped up soul samples. Illmatic came out and then everything sounded like Illmatic. Like when something hits, everyone gravitates towards it and then just tries to like mimic it and do it forever. But the the authenticity of, of London Posse to me was that they just created something totally unique and all of a sudden UK hip hop could be whatever it wanted to be from that moment onwards. And that album is just, you know, it's so different to anything I was listening to from America, uh, like from that time period. I really enjoy it, man. Like, I, I honestly think, you know, the fact they had they had two dancers, like it, it's they had two dancers part of the group and the album dropped 1990. We're not talking about 1972 here. OK, we're not talking about like the early 70s where. All of this was, all these elements were still intrinsically linked. In the UK, I guess it was a bit, you know, maybe 10 years behind in that sense, but it was still at its essence and core hip hop. And and that's what I loved about it. And I think that's why people had such an opportunity then to branch out from that. Um, you know, I, I just, I felt like that mad, that money mad beat, like, man, F- Pharrell might have taken some of that for grinding. Like, it feels like they're banging it out on aluminium garbage cans. 
And I just, yeah, like London style, original London style. Like I don't think anything else sounds like that song, especially not from that era in the US. You know, it had a rock guitar rift, piano loop, and then the harshest British accent and that slow halting flow. Uh, you get Jump Around, which had like, to me, this like De La Soul tribe called Quest Vibe. And mm. like, they took that then to the Ultra Max. They had, you know, this rapping over production that was otherworldly. And flowing over such a diverse song with such a weird time signature, you know, it's it's innovative. And I don't want to say groundbreaking, but it, it, it is groundbreaking, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, man, I mean... What else can you say? It's, the, it's a classic album, and it's a defining album to me from 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 afar, from having read stuff, from having watched stuff, like objectively looking from the outside, looking in. I don't know what it's like on the ground. I wonder. I wonder how, you know, do you have an insight in that, Charlie? Like, how do people view that? You know, because obviously my, my search for information has focused on Rodney P. So, you know, obviously Rodney P is the star of my research, but do you think it was as like groundbreaking and innovative and, and important as it appears to be in hindsight at the time? I the only way I can answer that is um to try and think of another UK hip hop album <laughs> that dropped around that time. Mm. That you know the the hit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, there's probably, um, uh, I mean, there's probably acts that you know you could probably name. And you know, I'm 24. I'm not that great with UK hip hop history right now. Uh, I need uh, there. There is some. There is some. Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, there's, there's some. There's some. There's some catching up I need to do on that front. Um, but hey, man, like, I, what, when you say when you say it dropped 1990s, it's just. I, I, the nearest I can find for something like that is around, you know, just ten years later. Like, there's, there's so there's there's a there's a big gap in between that, and I fit and I want to someday just like try and fill in that gap in terms of what happened, try and get an oral history of it because I can't because even now, right? And this is how I think about it, especially when listening to something like this. Um, you know, even with this said, uh, in, in terms of how good this album is. But by the way, uh, just a side note, do you know what pankoot uh, uh, means? No. <laughs> it's Jamaican slang for an ugly woman. <laughs> pankoot. So, yeah, pankoot. Uh, just, <laughs> if you wanna, just just something <laughs> for you to learn. Because um, I, I knew you wouldn't know. <laughs> you see, what's a pankoot? Um, especially when it's on the track uh, several times. But anyway. Um, even when that said, like, just listening back to this, I was, like, I was thinking in my head, I was like... I can name you so many UK hip hop acts around, like from two thousand onwards, right? And you know, they, 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 some, most of them have worked with Rodney P, right? <laughs> um, most likely, but uh, I, they don't sound like that. Like, and it's interesting that it's dropped in the nineties, and obviously, you know, most of the time, their, 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 uh, I guess, uh, formative years was in the mid eighties, but. You know, it does sound like a '90s album, like you said. It's a, there's some De La Soul elements that you can gather, um, Tribal Quest, I guess, as well. Like it's just, it just has that, um, that real, uh, what's the word? Um, a real calm, 
but also you can enjoy yourself if you really want to kind of vibe. Like, you can have it on the background, just bob your head to it, or you can actually just, like, you know, skank to it if you really want to. Um, but, yeah, I, I just kind of... I have this, uh, I guess, confliction about it, because I feel like there are plenty of other UK hip-hop albums that are out there that I can definitely dig for, but for some reason they're just not um, celebrated in the way London Posse is and was... And Rodney P especially, I, I I just find that I find it weird um, that there's a there's a whole ten year gap in the in the 90s where it's just where it just um I don't know because you know and the minor history lessons uh, again around the night around the time in the 90s um, even though UK hip hop existed um, the the dominant was uh, jungle which was um, basically uh, I think uh, there's a, there's a there's a type of um there's a type of reggae I don't want to say reggae um but I'll say it just for being basic but there's a subset of reggae that they specifically take and I've, I've forgotten about it but um basically it's just reggae sped up um it's well you know what? drum and bass let me be simple it's it's drum and bass but um but original <laughs> drum and bass is basically a, a a colonized jungle that's that's basically uh, putting it very bluntly, <laughs> so yeah. If you listen to drum and bass, you 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 need to get into jungle because it's basically a very a much more original version of uh, of, uh, of of jungle. Um, wait, yeah, I, th- I think I worded that oddly, but yeah, jungle then drum and bass. That's the timeline. Um, and around, that was around that time. And you know, we had house, you know, the acid house and stuff like that. Um, everyone knows that house music and the one I'm talking about kind of had a renaissance um, in the early 2010s, which I, not gonna lie, I kind of enjoyed. Um, but And at the same time, uh, after that came Garage. And then obviously came stuff like Grime, which was much faster, and You're All Caught Up. Um, so that was the 90s. That was the 90s in a nutshell. It was Jungle, it was um, then turned into Drum and Bass for, for the white audience. Um, and then came into Garage, you know, you're, you're 20... Uh, uh, 21 seconds you're so solid crew who made 21 seconds um and, and stuff like that um awful dodges um as a recommendation go listen to dj spoonie's garage classical that that shit slapped last year so great he basically just took classic garage tracks and uh, made it classical so great but um yeah that's kind of in a nutshell and hip-hop was there somewhere i have to believe it was in there somewhere um but i don't know where uh hip-hop fits in that uh in that timeline, I don't know how it clearly wasn't as popular as it was in the US at that point, right? But I know it existed somewhere. It, it, was, it had to. It had to because there was a there was a renaissance practically in the two thousands, like a, a very underground one, but a renaissance nevertheless. So it has to be something there in between Gangster Chronicles and you know people like Akala or Kalashnikov, but I just can't think of it right now. Um, and uh, so answering your question, I know fuck all, <laughs> put simply. Uh, but I know, but I know there's something there, and uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely gonna dig into that at uh, some point, some point in the future. It's interesting, actually, because I think one of the uh, yeah, I'm really curious about that too now, because one of the impressions I got from Ronnie P is that he was pioneering in a lot of different ways, and obviously one of those ways was uh, he was big on the pirate radio scene, and pirate radio yep. was 
uh, if anyone hasn't seen the documentary, well, I don't think probably most people have seen the documentary, but he he's done plenty of, do- I think he's done four documentaries now. One of them is on Pirate Radio and it's very important. It's, it's a great watch. Mm. It's very interesting how, like, you know, he was saying basically that major radio stations just weren't playing black music. They were just playing white music. And if they did play black music, it was a little bit of R&B. But even it was impossible sometimes for black people to get into clubs to listen to their own music because it was like, it was colonized. It was like, we're going to take this music and we're going to have these white clubs and black people aren't allowed in. I forget who they were interviewed on that that documentary, but he was uh, big in the UK, might have been hip hop scene, might have been reggae scene. And he said he was going out for his birthday and they wouldn't let him into a club because he was black. And he just said, what the fuck, man? Are you kidding me? Like, they're playing my music in there. You know, not his actual song, but like, yeah. So, so Pirate Radio was born out of that, where they needed a way to actually get uh, black music pl- fucking played anywhere. And so, you know, mm-hmm. they these are uh, these. What would you call it? Like, it's it sounds so si- silly to call it criminal, <laughs> but it was criminal for them to. I, I mean, yeah. So it was. Um... Yeah, it, fundamentally it was criminal because, you know, it was basically just stealing airwaves and, uh, you know, if you, depend, depending on where you are, you know, AM, FM, don't want to get that tentacle, but, you know, it was basically stealing airwaves. Um, you know, if you guys have seen The Boat That Rocked, um, you know, that's obviously 60s, you know, uh, more about the rocks, UK rock scene back in the day, Beatles and them, uh, but it's fundamentally the same thing. Like, they're, they're stealing airwaves um, from, you know, licensed stations and, uh, you know, using them to obviously uh, plug their own stuff, which, you know, is um, kind of like a... Think of it as live uh, lime wire, but for uh, but for radio airwaves. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good comparison. It was, just, it, was, it was so essential back then, you know? Yeah. Like, that was the way that people were getting tapped into the ecosystem of UK music. And the reason I bring this up is because the way that they describe it, uh, it wasn't just hip-hop. It was just everything, you know. It was reggae, it was R&B, it was jazz, it was soul. There was so much, There, were, you know, it wasn't just a hip-hop kind of thing. And I feel like in America, and all of this is I feel like, okay, none of this is I know. Um, I feel like in America, the, the genres were way more defined. You know, there was a hip-hop scene, there was an R&B scene, like yeah. even in other other like even the subgenres like there was a grunge rock scene and there was a post punk scene and they were very defined they had very uh yeah yeah, yeah they were like they were, they were groups you know they were groups and they would all band together to me having a look and 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 listening to the this documentary and listening to these interviews it seems like UK music was just a melting pot genuinely you know it wasn't just UK hip hop and we're say again sorry still is uh Oh, like, for sure, the, for sure. Like, but I wonder it. if that's—I wonder if that's the reason why we don't have this definitive, like, timeline in the '90s, where you know we're like, okay, this album came out. Like, we obviously have that in America. You know, we yeah. have doggies. Uh, we have you know uh, all the G Funk stuff that happened. Then we have Illmatic. Yeah. You know, we have these. But with UK hip hop, it's like we don't. And I wonder if that is the reason. And like the the other side of it is like, like to bring this back to Rodney P is what I found fascinating about him was that whilst he viewed the whole thing as a hustle, he always said 
he lo- like he, sorry the other way around he loved hip hop but he did view it as a hustle so mm. he adored the genre he adored the culture you know it was all about that and it was all about like you know he said if i never made money off this i would still be doing it at this age i would still have done everything i did but i wanted to make money off it and i think he was one of the people that was driving that uh that urge to turn it into a real thing and as he said in the pirate radio documentary he's like margaret thatcher was telling people to go out there and be independent and to you know find different revenue strains and find ways of making money in difficult yes. situations and he's like it's so Good fucking ironic that that's exactly that's exactly what we were doing and police were like <laughs> stopping us from doing that it's Good like he's like it's so it's insane, right? And so, like, that's that's what I found fascinating about Ronnie P in that sense. And and it is interesting that it never, you know, translated into like a big mainstream label moment like we have in America with the ni- early nineties, yeah. where labels just came in and took over everything. Because yeah. you know, the British do like to come in and take over everything. Like it is a little bit. I actually saw this meme the other day, and it was very funny. It said, um, it had a picture, it said, British kids learning about British history. And then at the end it says, wait, are we the bad guys? And I was <laughs> like, oh, maybe. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so, no, I just found that, I just found that fascinating. And and again, all of this, Ronnie P is, is central to all of this, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. Even grime, you know, it's just a massive part of grime music as well. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, um, like, just sticking to that uh, in terms of just how, the melting pot uh, analogy, like it had, it had to be, like it, <laughs> it, it, it had to be. Um, apart from you know um, a few a few acts here and there, you know, uh, uh, like a soul to soul or whatever. Like that, you know, there was a, a literally like a zero point zero one. 0.1% like of of black hacks the there it is hip hop numbers hip hop numbers guys we did it we got some digits <laughs> in this episode shout out to charlie for bringing the numbers much appreciated cuz i don't do it anymore <laughs> sorry uh, uh, <laughs> sorry continue make your point i was probably being mad disrespectful there but i just wanted to get that joke on <laughs> that's funny uh, no but um, yeah it's it, just a minute uh, even even Sade, like you know what i mean just 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 if you if it, if you weren't like a really op soul act, like you you might not have been getting anywhere. Um, so you know it's up to those you know people like Rodney P making a stand to you know to basically just corral everyone to just try and uh, try and you know lift everybody up. I guess it was very it was a very collective effort, and in some ways it still is. Um, you know even these days like uh, there's many. UK like rap acts and hip hop acts like just hopping over to the jazz scene and just like providing a feature on there, you know, uh, Georgia Smith and Ezra Collective for for an example, like um, Loyal Connor and Tom Mish or whatever, you know, I mean, it's just it's it's still there. There's still that essence of like um, of collectiveness. Um, the only the only major difference I feel that has happened um, since has maybe just been more, you know, location-based stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's like a, there's, it's not just a London scene anymore. Um, the, you know, obviously the Manchester scene was more about rock back in the day, you know, your Oasis, Oasis for example. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a Manchester, there's a Mancunian rap scene now. There's a Birmingham rap scene now. Um, uh, you know, and they're both burgeoning. Um, you know, Irish have their own drill. 
uh, mm. scene. Uh, Scottish have their own rap scene. Like it's it's every it's it's more local. It's more it's more localized now for sure. But uh, I still feel like there's a that essence of collectiveness is still there, um, even though maybe um, it's not as um, uh, pertinent to everyone's survival as it was <laughs> uh, in the nineties and uh, early two thousands. But uh, yeah, I I, I found that a good point uh, to to harp on because um, you know I feel like we've kind of made this episode uh, you know through the prism of Rodney P, but also just trying to like prime you guys for the next few episodes in terms of just like who we're going to talk about and you know where they stood in certain places because they all have their own um they all have their own uh i guess flag that they that they planted in some way uh in in, in this whole timeline and obviously rodney p was the first one, one of the first to do that and uh you know that flag still standing um you know if we could talk about kingdom briefly like uh yeah. that dropped last that dropped in 2019 with uh uh ty you know r.i.p to him and uh black twang um that's only that's only like a few a few tracks and obviously um some uh edits and mixes and acapellas and stuff to to add on to that but you know even than that that's still something and uh, ty and uh black twang is basically a roddy p's uh you know artistic child in, in some way because uh that they they firmly did hip-hop in the 2020s and you know that's basically where that's that's rodney p influence right there and he basically just did a project with them like that's that's right that's it right there um sleeping giants as well which is more um which as a project was mad fascinating like that wow. that was the most that was the most um from a sound perspective that was the most all encapsulating. That was one of the most all encapsulating projects I've ever heard. Like it, it just it had everything wild. in there. Yeah. Like, it had hip hop, yeah, it garage. Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. It like EDM in there, shit, man. Like it had it EDM. Just... There was one. There was one it. track where it was literally just like inside, inside garage voice. It's just it was fucking great. I was I was, yeah, I was loving amazing. that shit, man. Um, <laughs> it was fucking everywhere. But um, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, thinking about all this, um, and especially through the prism of Ronnie P, who's just who's just made himself um, just just there, just present at every step. And obviously, yeah. the documentaries have a great. Um, I, th- I feel I feel like uh, there's there's a he's a great person to have to do those because you know for uh, he did one on a uh, grime uh, that I actually reviewed um, uh, aired on BBC Four I think last year, and uh, you know. He he ain't grime, but you know he was there. <laughs> like I think he like you said, I think he had a he had his own um uh I think he had his own pirate radio station um or just um he had his own show. Yeah, I think actually, I think yeah. it was on I think it was on one extra. Yeah, I think it was on one yeah. extra. Now that I recall, he interviewed um, like so he, Fifty Cent and a bunch of people. Like people said, yeah, he was a great. Yeah. He was a great interviewer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you know, he's just even though he didn't do all of the music that we're talking about here um you know most of it is relatively if you just listen to strictly roddy p um you know go listen to the future i think that's um, the most um mm. i think that explains his uh, his uh, whole story basically um in 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 one album where it's just basically uk hip hop with you know strong reggae elements and uh, you know he gets very conscious um most of the time, um, talking about you know, I think the song, the title track, "The Future," is I, I think it's basically a storytelling track about like a kid, 
um, growing up, basically. Um, you know, comparing that to something like Gangster Chronicles, which um, I, I forgo to mention, but uh, I'll mention now. Oh, that had some misogynistic bars in there. <laughs> that was some, uh, yeah, that was, that was some misogynistic bars in there. Uh, can't, can't let that slide. But, um, uh, but you know, I feel like the future was um, much more conducive of to, to Ronnie P's story. But even with that said, and that, you know, and I've kind of circled around this, but, you know, it's just everywhere. And uh, mm. I've, I kind of find that just fascinating to potentially pick his brain about someday and just asking, like, where were you when, you know what I mean, for, for and just go through the timeline. Because at some point he either was there or knew somebody that was doing it. Uh, or, or or was that that point? Uh, so yeah, I, I I just find I just find that I just find this whole arc fascinating, and uh, I think the documentaries that you mentioned, um, you know, if you if you guys ever get time to watch those in particular, depend don't really matter which one, um, because uh, you know he, he just he d- it just seems right for him to be there um, as as you know as the Godfather hip hop of UK hip hop that we obviously um, that we obviously uh, proclaimed at the start. The fact that Rodney P didn't release a lot of music is always surprising. Like, even later in his career, he was just so... He was so 80s still. Like, he was just dropping, you know, white labels and 12 inches and little EPs with two songs and A-sides and B-sides. You know, you listen to interviews with him and he's just like, in 2018, he's like, you ever got new music coming? It's going to be exclusive 12-inch, you know? I'm like, is it going to be on streaming? Like, how do I listen to this? And... Uh, if you go on his Spotify, it's just like, you know, there's just, it says singles on there, but they, you know, they were events for him. And the thing about it is with someone like that, because he's done so many different things, you would normally expect a person like that to be a little bit scattered, you know, like maybe they don't have a clear focus when he's doing pirate radio and then he's in a group and then he's not doing any real music apart from a couple of guest spots for like 14 years. And then he's dropping a solo album. And then he's got his own TV show, radio show where he's interviewing people. And then he's doing documentaries. You know, he's doing all these different things. And you'd be like, man, like pick a lane maybe. But the, the point of it, the whole thing is that he just is hip hop. He just does. He goes where he feels he needs to go in hip hop. And uh I think the fact that he's still here after all these years to me is, I mean, it's pretty fucking epic. You know, we did mention, obviously, Public Enemy dropped an album last week, and we've mentioned other artists who are still going from the 80s, but I don't know anyone from the 80s who's making music that sounds now from back then. Like, you know, you listen to Kingdom, and it is now. And he's an incredible MC. You know, we forget about that. He's actually a really top-tier MC. And the thing is, his MCing has progressed. Despite the fact, I think he only did, like, 10 guest spots or something during the 90s. He barely did anything, really, musically. But his MCing just progressed so much. Ronnie P, the future, he's amazing. And then Kingdom, he's fire. Like, he's actually spitting at a top-tier level. And... I just find him a fascinating character and it is very interesting to see the way the UK scene has evolved using Ronnie P as someone to view the whole scene through. It has kind of gone around and around and it only feels like in the last maybe 15 years, maybe a little bit longer, that it's started to have these very definitive roles and definitive sounds and definitive areas and um, which is interesting to me because obviously that was happening in America, you know, off rip, like pretty quickly, you know, after, 
you know, 1970, it was, you know, John was born by the mid-1980s. Uh, it was already in these these defined roles, whereas, yeah, UK hip-hop has just kind of gone around. And I think, I don't really have a point here except to say that melting pot feel, that's exactly how I, the feel I get from Ronnie P. You know, he just, he just goes wherever things go and he allows things to happen organically. And one of the things he said in interviews multiple times is, he adores the fact that hip hop evolves, and you know they ask him about new artists and new music, and he's like, "It's not always for me, you know. I don't always like it, but I love what they're doing." He's like, "I love the fact that now people are singing more, and and you know all these different these different sounds that I could never have envisaged in the '80s." And yeah, it's just a man who just loves the genre and loves the culture and has been indispensable. Uh, and it's not so much that things wouldn't have existed without him, you know. I mean, that's that's a whole existential thing. Like, you know, the person who does it first, did they? Like, I think we actually talked about it on the Rakim podcast, or maybe we didn't. I maybe thought it. It's like you know, Rakim was changed the way he flowed. I actually think I had a DM conversation with someone after the Eric B and Rakim episode. And he was like, well, I don't want to give Rakim that much credit because someone would have done it eventually anyway. And I've always wondered about that. It's it's true. Like it's not always true. It's not always true. There are some things that no one would have ever done because someone is just a fucking genius. But for maybe something like rapping in a British accent, it was going to happen eventually. But we we attach you know all this cachet to Rodney P. Right. I don't know where I'm going with that, but like I I, I still think it's very valid to say. This was the man who was brave enough to do it first. This was the man who, mm-hmm. you know, created uh, a group that wanted to push the genre and change the genre. And maybe it would have gone in that direction anyway in five years' time. But it, we don't know. And so I think it's still valid to say, you know, Ronnie... And then from that that direction, it's not like Ronnie P was defining the culture at every step. You know, he wasn't changing the game. It's not a Kanye West level or a Dr. Dre level or something like that. It's just supporting and being there when everything was happening, and that's why he's the godfather of UK hip hop, man. Yeah, I find that uh, so like funny, but low key irritating when people say that. It's just like, okay, so you'd rather live in the world of hypotheticals than you know what actually happened. <laughs> Gives mm. a fuck. <laughs> yeah, of course, somebody would have point. done it first. Everyone would have done everything first. You know, fucking everyone, someone would have discovered light. You know, uh, the a light bulb or you know inventions like so. Like, of course, duh. Like, it's the, like they're trying the to person diminish did it. it. It's, yeah, it's, they're trying to diminish how special it is, or like it's, it's, diminish that person. It's like mm, it's nah, irritating. It's, it's like the most yeah. irritating like way of diminishing like somebody's like work or whatever. It's just yeah. yeah, achievement. It's just like okay, right? And like the point is, somebody did it first, and that's all we're acknowledging. Right? We're not saying like he's the best to ever do it or whatever. Um, well. Well, a Marakim sense, uh, a lot of people say that, but you know, it, regardless of that, you know, it, it's hello. He did it. We should celebrate that, regardless. And you know, yeah, it's it's sure. it's much different for someone like Rodney P. I feel like, uh, I, I feel like we've the picture we've painted here is one of like a of of a talisman of just like um, a person that we can look to that you know did something that you know is. It's not. It's not. It's not like uh, innovative to speak in your own voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. It's whoa, whoa, 
Well, fucking hell, he he spoke in his own voice. Shit, God, if only Beethoven yeah, but, did that nah, back in the day. Imagine be, that. I'm just... to, to be fair though, like you know, the, I don't know. I wasn't around at the time, but yeah, yeah I do understand because in Australian hip hop, it's very hard. <laughs> like there are so many. You know, I went to um a local clothing store like maybe six months ago, and I told them that I right. have hip hop numbers and blah blah blah. And this guy's like, oh, "Have you heard Manu Crooks?" And right. I was like, no, I don't know who Manu Crooks is. And he's just like, yeah, he raps in an American accent. I hate that fucking Australian accent. And he was genuine and he was an Australian. And I, I, as someone who, you know, has a harsh accent and who's tried to change, like, I do not sound like this 10 years ago. I sounded completely different to this. So I do give him some props when, you know, you've signed to a major and you're trying to blow up and no one else has really blown up with that accent before. You know, he's, he's done... I. I, I know what you're saying. I 100% agree with what you're saying. Like, wow, how innovative, you know, you're rapping in your own voice. But yeah, I was being at the time, from yeah, at the time, to me, it sounded like it, uh, surprisingly, it actually was kind of innovative for him to, to do that. So I, I, I still attach some level of bravery to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there, there's some... Yeah, don't get twisted. There's, there's, there's reverence to that. It, it's just, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is just funny as just how of how simple it is. But you know, there's you know, sometimes it just takes the simplest thing to you know, just a little tweak and boom, you've you've, you've got fire. Um, but um, you know, and and just to re just to wrap this up and to you know, I guess uh, tie up the bow in terms of how all of this shit is linked. Um, <sighs> the reason why uh. British reggae uh, became such a uh, became such a big thing in the seventies, was because artists started speaking in British voices. You know, what I mean, it's just it ha- it's it's the it's the one simple thing in that in both of those cases. In the case of Rodney P with UK hip hop, and in the case of um, uh, British ska and uh, British ska reggae, like it's just it's that one thing just. Switch up your voice to sound like you're from London or whatever or wherever you come from, and you know, may and sometimes it doesn't work. Like that's just like you just said with Australian hip hop. For you, hmm. it doesn't work, right? No, and that's fine. It it, it it sometimes doesn't work. Sometimes I hear um uh whose voice can I not um uh, uh okay Professor Green, not a fan of his voice. I I, I just can't do it. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't hit me right. And you know, uh, where's I go? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, do I have to say less? You know what I mean? It's just, it happens. And uh, you know, so with that said, it is obviously a risk, and sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't, and it obviously depends on your personal subjectivity towards that. But um, regardless of how you think about that, um, or even if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're like, well, yeah, duh, of course he's speaking his own accent, right? Regardless of what spectrum you're on, on the on those front, on the voice vocal uh, inflection front, um, Rodney P did it, and uh, you know that's a, that's a, that's a simple thing that we have to hail for, and uh, you know just wrapping up, that's the that's the whole thing, um, just the fact that he you know did that simple thing, took it to as far as it as far as he took it, and then. Everyone else, you know, we take it for granted um, of how authentic uh, British, black British voices are now. Like just how just rock solid they sound in themselves. Uh, you know, that, do- that, don't- that doesn't come out of 
someone has to make Next that door week, and open it. Yeah, so Next someone has to get into that. Yeah, exactly. Someone has to open the door, and uh, you know, in the next few weeks, um, we're gonna have you know cover some more people that uh, that went through that that went through that door that Rodney built. Um, and uh, if I did if I did title episodes like that, I'd literally say the door that Rodney built. That would be great. That would have been a great title, but uh, it is what it is. Teaser, 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 yeah. teaser, teaser. <laughs> Fucking shout out Rodney P. Yep uh you guys gotta go check his music out man like check out if you don't want to listen to anything listen to sleeping giants just listen to that put that on in the car because i don't think it can go anywhere else uh (laughs) wind the windows down crank the living fuck out of your system i want speakers blown at the end of that shit because you do it anyway like half that shit will come on and you'll just turn it up and it will be anti-social people will be looking at you weird but you won't care because you'll be vibing it is is a great project shout out Rene p yes for sure and with that we move on to a lighter note ben do you have a lighter note yeah it's not it's not super light (laughs) one thing i noticed is that i don't (laughs) i don't really talk about um my mental health on here as much as i used to and i don't really talk about it on hip-hop numbers that much either like i posted a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago i forget when it was that i was taking a little bit of a break because of my mental health and i don't think i posted for about six days and instagram fucked me with the uh the algorithm i have not been back on the explore page since i did that so shout out to you instagram for um supporting people with mental health issues and and making sure that we fucking have to post every three hours so that we get on the explore page i really appreciate that but the thing i've noticed is a lot of people one of the one of the sides of this account is that i have like a lot of contact with a lot of people who are going through a lot of shit so you know i would say 50 percent of my stuff is the stuff you're seeing the other 50 percent is dming like i have thousands of people in dms that i talk to all the time about what they're going through and they talk to me about what i'm going through and so I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who don't know that. Um, but I want to—I want you all to know that you can DM me about anything that you're going through. I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to be able to give you a silver bullet that will give you the answer and just like make everything go away. I don't know any of that stuff. But what I will do is listen and hopefully be able to point you in the right direction of maybe how to get some help. What I've been going through for the last month has just been epic like i got some blood test results at the start of the month and my white blood cell count was super low so my neutrophils were low so they took me straight off my medication so i was on 50 milligrams of seroquel and they just cold turkey it so for the last month i've been proper royally fucked like genuinely not well my neutrophils have gone up and down and obviously i've been withdrawing from meds and then i had to take valium and it's just been a mess i've now started a new medication lovan which i've taken before that's garbage as well it tastes like shit makes me feel hungover all day constantly Mm. it's been it's been a genuine struggle like these podcasts have been mainly what i've been focused on i haven't really been doing any other work outside of just prepping for these podcasts um it's been dark man i'm not gonna lie it's been very dark i've not been sleeping uh i've been like staying up all night and reading books and watching movies and when this you know if anyone's gone through insomnia you know you get to the end of you've got three 
streaming services that you're subscribed to and then you know all of a sudden you're like that eighth row down on netflix and you're looking at these local movies and you're like oh bro <laughs> i can't watch the anchorman for the 18th time at 2 a.m on a tuesday you know it's getting this is getting pretty fucked up it's getting pretty dark and it culminated on friday where i had a i had a britney moment i've never had a britney moment um shout out to britney spears i never understood that time you just shaved your head but I just started just chopping my hair off. You know, I've had uh, I've had dreadlocks for four years. Uh, they started forming in 2016. It's been a hell of a journey with them. It's been a rough journey because uh, anyone who's free-formed them knows that for about two years, you look like someone frisbeed roadkill onto the top of your head. And uh, people give you a wide berth in supermarkets and everyone assumes that you smell like a garbage can and no, none of that is specifically wrong. You know, you don't smell great. You don't look great. You don't feel great. You feel rough. But when you get to the point where they mature and they get long and, you you know, you become proud of them because you've gone through such a journey with them of just looking like shit and, you know. So <laughs> for some reason, they just cut half of them off. And it's been a terrible couple of days because I've still got them. Uh, you know, they're in the next room and I'm just like... Why did I do that? So, you know, I'm just saying all this to say, like, if you're going through some shit, please give yourself some grace. You know, one of the things my psychologist has said to me is just be compassionate to yourself and understand that right now you can't be perfect. You're going to fuck up. You're going to make some mistakes. Uh, Just understand that you're going through a crisis and it's okay to make some mistakes. It's okay to do some things that you're going to regret. You know, it's not it's not okay to do criminal things, or this is not a this is not carte blanche for you to write a blank check of violence and to you know go around and start doing dumb shit. But if you you know make a couple of mistakes like cut half your fucking hair off, or you know you get into a fight with a friend, uh, it's, you know stuff like that. Just you know maybe you start drinking again, which I've actually done. I was an alcoholic and I quit for ten years and. I don't drink a lot, but, you know, it, it feels pretty rough when you haven't done something for 10 years and then you start doing it again randomly. You're like, man, what's wrong with me? So I just want to say that, man. Give yourself some grace. And I think especially during this pandemic, it's fucking tough for everyone. And I don't want people to just be looking around being like, yeah, but people are dying. You know, shit's, shit's worse in other places. You, you, like, you're the important thing right now. Like, if you're struggling, it doesn't matter what someone else is going through. If you're struggling, you need to focus on yourself first, get yourself right, and, uh, yeah, be compassionate to yourself and show yourself some grace. And it will pass, man. It will pass. It does pass. I've been going through this for a long time, and it goes up and down. And I'm in the most down I've been in a long time. But I've been up before. Like, I've come on this podcast and said I'm happy and I'm great and things are going well. You get it'll get up again at some point. You just gotta endure the low. So yeah, shout out to everyone struggling, man. Yeah, for sure. Um uh, so I have three things. Uh firstly, hat trump gokorona ah, bitch. <laughs> yeah, how do you like that? How do you like that taste? Some... You... Oh wait, the lack of taste. Yeah. Ah you bitch. Suck at and it's so funny right the, f- the funniest thing about it is that um apparently there's the, the ca- his campaign is still saying masks are corny basically like it's just like what the fuck are you doing so you shit on it, biden honestly, for wearing a mask so funny. he's like biden why do you always oh, wear that mask oh, and then he gets covid oh, the next day bro so come great. on it's man. so great. covid 
COVID's COVID's done all right. Like That's sometimes some you know, we hate COVID, but it's some comedy. It has you can't it has gotten it. some people. You can't write. It. Yeah. Like, did you did you see that video that was going around where it was literally like that that bit where you were talking about where he was at the debate? He's like, oh, he's wearing masks. Why the fuck is he wearing masks? And then it just says, uh, Trump has COVID and has the uh, always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I didn't see that. So funny. Uh, secondly, uh, uh, as I record, as we record, October, uh, uh, well, Sunday, October fourth, uh, it is Snoopy Day. First uh, appearance in Peanuts seventy years ago today. Shout out to Snoopy. Shout out to Charles Schultz, the goat, favorite cartoon character ever. Um, there's actually an Apple uh, Plus series, uh, like a like a like a, like Snoopy Adventures. It actually, looks really good. Like for once. <laughs> for once a uh, children's tv show actually looks uh, half decent um not getting apple plus for it but you know it looks good so support uh, support <laughs> the homies if you guys have apple plus uh, support snoopy the world famous beagle um and lastly i didn't even we didn't even mention this and it's kind of like a uh, stick into the show um so there was a there was an ep that um rodney p uh, produced with a uh, uh, poet benjamin zephaniah um, it's called uh, na- uh, Naked and Mixed Naked and Mixed Up that's it uh, Naked and Mixed Up and there's a there's one on there called Wrong Radio Station spelled R-O-N-G Radio Station and I was listening to it today and I was just like and I meant to I meant to talk about it this episode and I feel like I want I feel like I need to because it's so like bro this is like um, this is like Gil Scott Heron uh, Revolution it should not be televised like level poetry like it's 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 so good so i just want to just read a bit to to you guys because it's it slaps so hard um i was beginning to believe that all black men were bad men and white men would reign again i was beginning to believe that i was a mindless drug freak that couldn't control my sanity or my sexuality i was beginning to believe i could not believe in it, it nothing except nothing and all i ever wanted to do was to get you and do and to do you I've been listening to the wrong radio station. My future's been blighted. I am so short-sighted. Uh, I was beginning to not trust me. In fact, I wanted to arrest me. <laughs> I've been dancing to the music that I can't stand. I've been reciting commercials to my girlfriends. I've been trying to convince myself that what I really need is a sunbed and a mortgage and some hairspray. The kind of hairspray that will wash my grey blues away. I've been trying to convince myself that I could ease my conscience if I if I gave a few pence or a few cents to a starving baby in Africa because African babies need my favours because Africa is full of dictators. Oh yeah, globalisation will bring salvation. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. I thought my neighbours formed an axis of evil. I want to go kill people. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't inhale, so why is my mind going stale? I was beginning to believe that all Muslims are terrorists. Uh, I really did believe that terrorism could be couldn't be done by governments, not our government, not white government. I could not see what was wrong with me. I gave hungry people hamburgers, you see. I was beginning to believe that our children were better than their children. Their children would die from terrorism, but I couldn't hear their children call, and a child from Palestine simply couldn't count at all. What despair, no children, I was not aware. I'd been listening to the wrong radio station. For years I've been sedated, and now I think I'm educated. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. And every time I got ill, I took the same little white pill. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. When it started I was curious, but then it got so serious. And it was it was cool when it began, but now I really hate Iran. And look at me now, I want to make friends with Pakistan. I want to bomb Afghanistan, and I need someone to tell me, where the hell is Kurdistan? 
Yeah, you can be my ally for a while until I be- until I come to bomb your child. And I'm sure there's a continent called the Middle East, and I think I can bomb my way to peace. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. I've been listening to the wrong jams. I've been listening to the wrong beat. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. I've been listening to the wrong tones of the wrong zones. I've been listening to the wrong voices. I've made such mad choices. I've been listening to spies. I've been listening to lies. I needed to know what some pop star somewhere was having for breakfast. I needed to know that I was no longer working class. I needed to know if the stock stock market rose 1%. I needed to know that I had a ruler to give me confidence. I needed to know that my life would improve loads if I had an operation on my nose. I needed to hear that DJ say, good morning, good morning. I thought he was just there for me. I love the way that he would say, this show was sponsored by. Oh my, oh my, he made me cry. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. Can you do this? I put myself on a hit list. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm watching myself dying. I've been listening to the wrong radio station. Bro, if that's not a microcosm of just like the past 50, 60 years, like it just in one fucking poem, like shout out to Benjamin Zephaniah, man. Absolute fucking G. Like that shit just hit me in the fucking stomach when I was listening to that today. It was crazy. I just had to recite most of it. Um, there was a, there was I, I tried to skip. Um, I was listening to the wrong radio station a few times and I kept forgetting. Uh, but uh, yeah, go listen to that song, man. It's like seven minutes, but it's so worth it. It's just it's it's perfect. Um, and on that note, yeah, man, yeah, man. It's a, leave it on that, man. yeah, man, for sure, for for sure, yeah, yeah man. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen. Fun Fifth and Podcast Network has been digging digits. Hope you enjoy this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you have a good week. Wish you always <laughs> trying to do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, all right, peace. Why are you laughing, Ben? <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of video games by bonus points. Places to breakers for the ability to use. Socials for the fulfillment, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and jailbreakers will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been the Fulfillment Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers Collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us, and we shall see you next time on the Digging in the Digits UK Black History Month mini series. <laughs>